to the grades for the New York Knicks for the first half of the season. Um, again, excellent first half uh, as a whole in terms of what uh, most everyone's expectations were versus uh, where we are now, which again, as I said at the top of this podcast, 19 and 18, one game over 500. Um, you know, so I guess we'll start with the the headliner for our grades here. Um, you know, Tibbs came in, set the culture. Um, not just Tibbs, the, the entire coaching staff, you know, uh, Kenny Payne, Johnny Bryant, Mike Woodson. Um, so for me, the coaching grade as a whole, I give them just a firm A. Um, I, I think there's no two ways about it. I think in the coach of the year conversation, Tibbs is already at near the top of most everybody's list. I think you have Quinn Snyder, number one, uh, just for the league leading record. The Jazz have been pretty tremendous to start the year. I have no issues with that. That makes sense. But just the fact that Tibbs is in the conversation, the Knicks are in the playoffs. I think it's undeniable the job that they've done. Uh, I know that we have issues with his rotations and everything like that, but uh, firmly based off of the first half of the season and the results, which are them being in, you know, fifth place, Julius Randle is an all-star. RJ Barrett looks like a, well, not a, but the player that, you know, we generally thought and hoped he would be. Um, you know, I, I can live with a couple of the me being angry about Elfrids in this situation. I, I don't want to let me it cloud my judgment too much. I give him an easy A here. I think that was a, an ex, uh, about as good a first half as you could have hoped for. I agree with you. I really do. I was conflicted on this one because based on results, I too want to give him an A. But then I thought about it and I thought about how I graded the players. And there's certain players where I was like, he would have gotten this grade if this. And I feel like with the coach, I have to do the same thing. So I gave Tibbs a B plus. That's fair. Yeah. Excellent. I, I gave Tibbs a B plus because I love what he's done for us. I love what he's done for this team. I too believe that he definitely deserves coach of the year consideration. I think it's him and Quinn Snyder. Um, he's been excellent. We're a top defense He's getting guys to buy in. The camaraderie of the team is amazing. The whole coaching staff, they've been amazing. They've gotten the most out of guys. Guys are improving. Uh, they've gotten Mitchell Robinson to be a guy that can be on the floor for 30 minutes a game and stay out of foul trouble. It's all been phenomenal. But the offense, we're like one of the worst offenses in the league, and we shouldn't be. And there's sim- I feel like there's some small, simple tweaks that could be made that would make the offense better. And the experiment, the lack of experimentation at times has been frustrating, especially like, you know, we're halfway into the season and still haven't really figured the rotation out the way that I feel we should. I mean, and that's me feeling like we should, but the offense could be better. So I feel like because there's certain things that could make the offense better, I also feel like he's holding back the the rookie of the year. I think that we have the rookie of the year on our team and we're not getting to see him be the rookie of the year. Talk that talk. (laughs) And I feel like that plays into also if you have the rookie of the year who does very well for your offense and your team is struggling offensively, I feel like those two things made me not able to give him an A, but definitely a strong B plus. Yeah, I want B plus too. Um, I want B plus largely because I just think 
there is one more element that they're missing. I just want to see some different lineups. I feel like one of the things that they're doing is they're leaning on that starting lineup, whether it's Mitchell Robinson starting or Nerlens Noel. I just feel like even though we've changed into a team now where we're trying to win now and every game matters, I still think there's still times there where we can experiment a little bit with different lineups and different things um, that can help the team in the long run. Like I would love to see Quigley as the point guard a little bit more. I want to see RJ Barrett in the bench um, just because I want to see RJ kind of get the offensive possessions like we did in the Indiana game where he's leading everything, you know, even if you do that for six minutes a night, that adds up over time. We could be, we have a larger sample size by the end of the season. So everything, everything Sean said, I give, I agree. I got a ding them just for that small thing, but everything else I love. Yeah. I want a minus just right in the same neighborhood. And Thank you, Sean and Quinn, for talking me down because I was about to give him an A plus, and then just because of the rudderless, quote unquote, rudderless roster that was they inherited, I thought to get this team exciting again was a pretty massive win. But there are still some warts to be worked out. So I don't know. I feel like a flat ninety is good for them. Yeah. The, so the reason I ended up going with A in, in spite of the couple of things like that was because so for. Obviously, I agree. I think quickly should be starting. Uh, it's strange for me to be the overly optimistic one on any of these grades, but but anyway, um, I just figured he lets him play a lot of second half minutes. A lot of those generally overlap with the starters. He's been finishing a bunch of games, so that I was trying to be fair about, despite me being angry perpetually that quickly doesn't get to start. Um, so that was. Like the only step, because like for me, it became like basically, yeah, I like that he's finishing games. The only thing I'm missing now is him starting the game. So that was, that's why I just let a little bit extra positive, but I don't disagree with you guys. Those are generally the same concerns and issues that we've had collectively as a group that we've agreed on most of the year. So that's probably the right grade. I would, I, in hindsight now, probably agree more with you guys, but, um, the next guy that I have on this list, I think is the clear and obvious choice because he's the all-star of this team. He is the headliner, uh, Julius Randle. <laughs> I don't know uh, what more you could really ask for from Julius Randle uh, individually. Um, and with the results that we've kind of gotten, um, you know, as a team because of his play, um, you know, I saw a couple of nice stats Afterwards, uh, you know, after the last win to kind of cap the first half of the season, uh, Julius Randle, per live sports, Julius Randle is the first player in Knicks history with 800, uh, 800 points, 400 rebounds, and 200 assists at the All-Star break. Like that's – and this is in a, a shorter season. So there, there's also that. Uh, this is the first time now, because of his strong play, that the Knicks head into the All-Star break above 500 since 2012-2013. So again, off the strength of his great play, uh, you you got to give him the, the nod there. Julius Randle now has 10 25-point, 10-rebound, 5-assist games, already the second most in a season uh, in Knicks history per Elias Sports. Again, this is in the first half of a shortened season. So, I mean, for me, this was another A. I think this is no surprise that I was going to say that. I, I, again, I, what, what else do you want from this guy? It's like plus defender now, 
tough defender. Again, I'd like to, to remind everybody uh, just last week when he had Sabonis and Rikers, again, uh, you can check my, <laughs> you know, mine and the Knicks wall Twitter for the, the clip of that. It is one of my favorite clips of the season. Uh, so, but he's just, he's just been great. Plus defender, the playmaking. I mean, we've talked about most of it on this podcast, but what, what more could you ask for guys? That's exactly how I felt. I feel that there's nothing more that we can ask for from Julius Randle. I mean, he's been an excellent defender. He's got 23, 11, and five and a half assists on 48, 41, and 80. Like, that's insane. Um, he's completely elevated his level of play. His leadership, he's elevated. He's had a huge effect. I gave him an A+. I think there's literally nothing else you can ask for. Um, and he is, like, I feel like not only did he set the pace for this team but he like set the pace for this franchise like I feel like his play and the way he stepped up and his leadership and the fact that they're taking the bus from the plane to the gym and things like that have moved this franchise forward and I really don't think that you can ask any more from a person than Julius Randle has given us this season same thing I give him a plus best player on the team turned everything around all-star player seems like someone you could build the you know assistant building the franchise around so i went a plus i went with a b and the reason for that is because every smart person knows you have to remember this is too small of a sample size you have to use the previous season to take it you had us in the first half i'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> so clearly he had a c plus and right now he has an a plus so kind of evened out i don't know if my math's a little off on that but no seriously though i gave him an a plus he is the face of the franchise for now and even if he doesn't remain the face i do think he's going to be a very key piece moving forward and he's been the lifeline this year so yeah, so I mean that's that that's that on Randall. I think that's that's very very happy he's a Nick. Very proud that he's a part of this franchise. Um, and the next guy that I feel almost exactly the same about is uh, one R.J. Barrett. R.J. was I wouldn't say he was a tougher grade for me, but I have been very I'm a very staunch R.J. supporter. I always have been. Most of us have been here, to be honest. Um, so for me, I have high expectations for him. So that's what I generally judge it against. And he's had a couple of stretches here where things weren't as great. But, you know, I mean, now he's back up to, what, 44% of the uh, shooting on the season uh, from the field, just regular field goal percentage. I think he's at 35% uh, from three. And I know the stat that we keep pointing out is that in 2021, he's shooting over 40%, um, well over 40%. So... I, I, I'm pretty encouraged by RJ. I, I had him like B plus a minus kind of territory because I thought I didn't expect, like I thought he was good last year because of all the all around stuff that he did, but I understood getting doc for the efficiency. So then this year when he's shooting this much better, um, you know, he's, he's defending at a high level. He's playmaking, not as much because Julius is so damn good at it, but he, he's playmaking. Um, you know, the, the game that we saw the other night was kind of the perfect, you know, RJ game, you know, 21 points, uh, five assists, four rebounds, good defense, you know, getting out in transition. Alfred was actually hitting him. But, I'm, I mean, my expectations for RJ is always more. Um, 
I expect him to eventually be a 20 point per game guy and kind of keep evolving on this level that he's at. So for that note, like I couldn't give him for me, like much better of a grade because he's already doing everything that I would ask and hope for in year two. It's just, you know, at the same time, like I know there's so much more room for him to grow. So he's not a perfect player yet, but he's like damn good. So for me, like B plus A minus is, is like fine. I think that's a good enough grade. I, I agree with you. I gave RJ a B plus. He was that 19 straight missed threes stretch. That removed, it's an A. But, you know, if we're grading on the first half of the season, that it like, because that's what I said about Tibbs, like where I was like, okay, I would have given I would have given RJ an A had that not happened. Yeah. Uh, but, it, and I also feel like, you know, he's, he's been really dependable for us. He's been the best wing defender on a top two defense in the NBA. I don't yes. think that's spoken about enough. Like that's huge. He's, as we said, he's shooting 40% in the year 2020 like he's been every night he shows up for us every even when he doesn't score well he's involved he's moving the ball he's defending he has a couple games that are like that Warriors game was really tough so he's got a couple tough nights but I mean it's the NBA he's 20 years old um but yeah I just think that I mean he was shooting 25 percent from three in the first 18 games of the season and in the 19 games since he's shooting 49 percent and I believe at this point we've seen a large enough sample size to say that RJ is at least above league average from three. And that's huge because we didn't see him. It wasn't guaranteed that he would get there in year two. So I feel like for RJ to be where he's at already and to be the second best player on a playoff team in at 20 years old, it's a solid B plus. I'm B plus as well. I, th I think RJ's done everything you wanted to see from year one to year two in terms of improvement. I feel like he's in a weird way. He's somewhat the same player, just slightly better, which is fine. He's a better defender. I feel like we never talk about RJ as a defender, but he's a good defender, especially the closer you get to the basket, which is perfectly fine. He's a good passer. He might be underrated in that area. I feel like they don't utilize him enough and he's a good rebounder. So everything feels like he's, he's becoming a good player. The, the concern for me and why I want to see RJ with the bench more is that I'm starting to feel like he's not a number. He's not a number two guy. He's more of like a Sean Marion's a poor comparison because Sean Marion did different things, but in the grand scheme of team building, he feels like a Sean Marion type where I think in a, like two years from now, we're going to be like, okay, we need RJ at the four so we can get some rebounds in a small ball lineup. We need RJ as the secondary ball handler or even the lead ball handler. And sometimes because we're playing quickly and we're playing another guard and we just need someone who can handle the ball. Oh, we need RJ to get a couple points here. Let's get him some baskets. He can do that. He feels like the, he feels like he's becoming that all around guy that does a lot of different things, but he doesn't, have that lead scoring tool to be a number one so that's just really it's not his fault you know I, again that's more of knocking the tibs grade but i give it a b plus i think he's taking the necessary steps and i think you know it's the conversation around rj barrett this offseason is going to be interesting i'll say that yeah i went flat a and the reason for that is he improved in i made sure i went to went back to check he improved in every category and for him to do that coming into an off season where he was already like becoming the butt of jokes where it's like, this guy's not that good. Terrence Davis made an all rookie team over him. That happened. So all that, the, like the attention focused on him 
he had to impress a new coach. Like Quentin said, he's playing defense. We don't really expect that. I kind of expected exactly what RJ's given us, except the defense. I've been pleasantly surprised. So I think it's an A. Yeah, I'm, he's he's very quickly shut people up. Uh, some of these takes that I've been it's reading. Great. Some of these takes, like, this is why I get mad with, like, it's not even the stats thing. I'm not anti-analytics. You guys know and understand this. I just hate the way some people use like just to me it's like base level stats against players you know like you guys got to just like not watch games through the like and I hate to say it but like the spreadsheet shit sometimes like you guys can't just all these takes are about he's a chucker he he, all he does is shoot he's inefficient he's how how is he going to you know perform against the NBA guy it's like to me like you got to just like watch what's happening on the floor sometimes like and and Stop worrying about even the the general box score. It, to me, it was like you're you're watching a strong, big player learn how to play make and and pack paint with Zion Williamson, point guards who can't shoot. Like, what did you think was going to happen for any wing on that team? Like, I, I don't get what people expected or watched, and I didn't understand how people missed the defense that he brought to the table, the playmaking, the rebounding. Mm-hmm. Like, to to me, like as a big guard, all that stuff was like really important. So I I thought he was going to be like at least have a safe floor in the NBA. Like I thought at worst, this guy's going to be like a good starter. Like, I don't know if he's going to be a number two or three, you know, whatever, but I thought, okay, well, I feel actually pretty safe taking this pick. I, I don't see how he could possibly be a bust because he does all these little things. And then if he learns how to shoot a little bit better, now you're onto something. And then what happened? He started to shoot a little bit better. And now you're onto something because all the other stuff was there. The foundation of a good, smart player was there. So yeah, I, I think the conversation is going to get increasingly interesting because I, I just think it was so obvious with him. It was really obvious, and people really went out of their way to make those takes, and it's crazy because they watched that. Like, I mean, I didn't watch every single Duke game, but, I mean, we were really bad, and I always liked R.J. Barrett, and I love Zion Williamson. So I watched a lot of them, and Cam Reddish didn't show up for the majority of the year Yet everybody acts like RJ was the problem on that team. Cam Reddish was the only shooter in the lineup and was shooting like 22% of the point. So there was even less space than there was supposed to be. Um, and f- as far as like when he got to us, I mean, I feel like th- it just made it easier because we're the Nick. I feel like if RJ got drafted somewhere else, people would have loved him. 100%. But I think, th- I think that there were people who didn't like him because they felt like he was in Zion's way. I don't really get that. Um, but he was putting up re- RJ was breaking records at Duke, like literally, and nobody <laughs> literally, unbelievable. And it's not like it's like Dayton, Ohio, like Dayton College. No disrespect to Obi, but you know what I'm saying. Like Dayton's one thing. Twenty one you know, five five. We're talking Duke. I mean, they got some hitters. Like just in the recent years, like this isn't like. Come on, guys! This just pissed me off. And just like overall don't rush the beat to shit on somebody rush to like, say like, Oh, this guy's going to be a future star. At least have that respect for yourself. Just rushing to be negative about somebody is, it's just weird. It's like some, they were so adamant. It's like this 20 year old is a bust. He sucks. He cannot shoot. It's like, dude, he can't even drink yet. Like let's, let's back it up. People it's didn't watch Knicks games last year. I know. I know people didn't watch Knicks games last year because we were working them and I didn't want to watch them. <laughs> So there's yeah, no way Taylor Horton working. Tucker. Taylor Horton Tucker was better than him. Like that was a poll that Taylor Horton Tucker won by like seven, like Old. Lakers Twitter. What are you doing? It's not even just the push to be wrong with a guy like 
RJ, it's even comparing him to like successful players and still saying that he's going to stink. Like one of the things I, I kind of tried to learn this year is that it's okay if he becomes DeMar DeRozan. Like that's perfectly fine. You know, I think because DeMar DeRozan is kind of bashed amongst analytics Twitter, that there's just like a negative connotation around being somebody like DeMar DeRozan. And we'll get to a point where with RJ, whether he's the positive DeMar DeRozan or the negative or whatever, but like, that's not a bad outcome. You know, like some of these guys, like some of you guys come out of college and they just can't play. Like, like I like Jared Culliver coming out of school but he cannot play in the NBA right now. Like he literally cannot get on the basketball court and play basketball. And it's just like a lot of people. the worst team in the league at that, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people wanted him. And it's just like sometimes you kind of got to give these guys some time. And even if you don't think they'll be good, like if you're comparing them to somebody good, let's acknowledge the strengths that you think are there. I just feel like with RJ and some of the tweets that are coming up today, like – not even giving him a chance. It was just weird. And to me, it was especially weird because we live in an era where with the analytics and with those stats, people have sort of learned to have a scope for, to me, overvaluing guys that don't really bring a lot to the table offensively and bring a lot to the table with playmaking, defense, rebounding, right? And I found that very strange that for for R.J. Barrett, the rules didn't apply at all uh, with that. Uh, Everybody immediately just talked about him like he was just an empty stats chucker, like that's it. Like every conversation I had, empty, empty, he's look at him, the inefficient, all he does is shoot, you you trust that guy, you trust, it was like, Jesus, like my God, like do you guys actually watch what's happening here? Like he's he's built for a 19-year-old. He knows how to use his frame, knows how to use his size, like can play make a little bit. Like, yeah, he's a little bit clunky, he's a little bit raw, but again, he's 19 years old. Like at some point, you gotta like keep the context. Like and and you know, to Q's point, like there's nothing wrong with DeMar DeRozan. There's nothing wrong with that being an outcome. People have gotten outrageous. And it's sort of back to the, the general roster point that we had before about, you know, people, you know, fans always saying, well, I don't know if we should commit to a guy or spend money or trade for this guy if it's not going to win us a championship. Like, you're not always going to hit home runs, guys. Like, I don't know where this, this comes from, that the only way to make a move ever is to have a guaranteed home run because those moves do not exist. LeBron James does not randomly choose your franchise every offseason. That's not an option for us to have. That's not a realistic thing. So you have to get some singles and doubles sometimes. There's nothing wrong. A DeMar DeRozan would be a triple in this scenario. That's a that's an all-star level player, kind of a, a high-impact guy who could do a bunch of things. Like, it's okay to not have the absolute best thing, especially when all we've had are worse, the worst things. So I, I don't understand, like – the conversation with him has been so, so strange, man. It, it's so unfortunate because he's such a unique player, you know, like the DeMars are funky players now. Like the, they are weird, good players, you know, and in today's modern NBA where you're not the purest shooter, like those guys have a tougher time to succeed. So seeing them try and then succeed, like DeMar has reinvented himself as a sort of a small ball three and four type guy. See, you know, RJ get his ass kicked a little bit offensively last year and go, okay, never mind. I figured it out a little bit more this year. Like, I don't know. To me, that's like fun. Like sometimes it's, it, it's okay to not have like the surefire guy. Like it's nice to see, wow, like RJ gives a shit. Look at him bringing his numbers all the way up Look on top of all that other stuff. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with these things. And just to quickly jump onto the one point you made about people wanting to hit the home run all the time. My least favorite thing I hear 
and they'll say it about draft about RJ or whether anybody you bring up in a trade, he's not a number one option on a championship team. And I feel like people say words without listening to the words they're saying, because it's like, bro, how many people in the NBA are a number one option on a championship team? Like Anthony Davis wasn't even a number one option on the championship team. So like, what really is the criteria? Like, I, but yeah, not, I didn't want to go too far on but that. That's, but. but that's always said about everybody. Like that, that's always my, my comeback with that. And we say this about everybody. Like before Twitter, like Dirk was, and, and even a little bit at the beginning of Twitter, Dirk, that was Dirk. You couldn't win with Dirk. Like th- that, that was it. Like there's always a guy you can't win with until then you figure out a way to win with him. And then all of a sudden it works. Like you never know what's going to happen. You never know the path these teams are going to take. You have no idea how it's going to pan out. Ultimately. I think like, again, it's just, we're talking about 19 and 20 year olds. Like the, the, the things that the, the, the conclusions that we have to jump to today with these guys to be right, to be first, to be correct. It, it's a little bit batshit to me. It's, it's unfortunate because again, it clouds these good, unique players. So I don't know, but, uh, We'll move right along just, you know, on the RJ discussion went a little further than uh, I anticipated. But the next guy that I think uh, we have now taken a little bit of a back burner on because he's been hurt, but Mitchell Robinson, a guy who we definitely, definitely, uh, you know, all loved. I think we definitely wanted him to start a little bit sooner, but either way, he got his chance this season. And he's proven exactly what we kind of thought he would do. Um, being the real backbone of a defense, a, a top defense, that it's not just the blocks anymore this season. Because if um, if you saw right before Mitch got hurt, you know, Nerlens Noel in half the minutes actually had more blocks than Mitchell Robinson did total. Um, so, and that's not like some slanderous thing on Mitch. It's just he's learned how to play really good defense without just needing to block all the time. And, you know, before off the bench, he was mostly hunting for those the same way, you know, Nerlens was doing that for a while too. Mm-hmm. It's just what you do as a shot blocking big, but um, I thought Mitch has been really good. Um, I, you know, obviously he's mostly just a defensive guy, but his, his impact is definitely felt. Um, I gave him a solid B, B, B plus. Um, I thought he's been vital. I, I think seeing Nerlens kind of manage since then, it doesn't take anything away, but, you know, just kind of knowing that his, his impact is mostly defensive, not to take away from the offensive and the lobs that he gets or anything like that. But I just thought a, a really good B for his first starting season so far uh, has, has, is kind of where I'm at. I gave Mitch a B plus. Um, I would have given Mitch an A if we didn't see the dip in free throw percentage this year. Like he improved a lot from the line and he's kind of regressed a bit in that uh, respect this year. So, but otherwise, I mean, he's anchoring a defense that's the top defense in the NBA. He's not getting as many blocks, but he's also getting like 1.4 steals a game or 1.2 steals a game, which is pretty dope for a big. Um, And I believe that even though Nellis has come in and filled in well, I think we realize how much of an impact Mitch has offensively. Uh, Just simply being, not that he has the greatest hands in the world, but, I mean, he's got stick him in comparison. <laughs> like, yeah, he has hands. Um, at his 3.8 offensive boards per game were huge for us. Uh, the gravity that he has as he rolls. Um, I think especially with the us having a better pace now and uh, hopefully spacing the floor more with who we have on the floor going forward. When Mitch comes back, we'll see even more of an impact from him offensively. But, yeah, I just think that his impact on our defense and, you know, being able to stay on the floor this year and be that guy is really huge. So I gave him a B plus. Yeah, I want B for the same reasons. Uh, 
the free throw percentage dipping is not great. I would like to see him show some of that shooting that he was doing in the offseason, but it's, just, it's clear he's a solid starter at the center position. He's the backbone of the defense. I know Nerland's playing really well, but just seeing the adjustment Mitchell Robinson made from that advantageous blocker running out to block threes to like this calm presence, good and drop coverage and stabilizing the Knicks defense, you know, I think I think Knicks fans tend to underrate that, which is weird to me because our our DNA is such built on defense. But I think really good. I'm cool with extending them. I think 464 or 458, something around there would be perfect. And yeah, I give them a B. Yeah, I went B plus for every reason Q said. I still the only thing that lacks for me with him is the offensive game and shooting, as Quinn said, is the big part of that. Where if anyone's seen him in warm-ups or his videos, knows he can shoot. I'm not saying he should turn into the guy that shoots four or five threes a game, but, you know, a little midi here and there, you know, something else would have been nice. But he is, he is the backbone of the defense, and when he's out there, I feel better. So B-plus for sure. All right. So uh, on that note, we're going to pick it up on the other side of one more ad, and then we're going to finish these grades. So we'll talk to you guys on the other side. Picking up where we left off on the grades here. Going to cut right to the chase because I want to hit on another positive note. But Emmanuel quickly, as Sean said, his his rookie of the year front runner, um, I, I mean, it's, it's obvious what he's done uh, so far this season. Um, he's had his up and down games. Obviously, the ups and his regular games have been much more you know, consistent and regular than any of the blips. Generally, he has like one awful game and then he's kind of back to normal for the most part. Um, I mean, he was tough because so as I showed you guys with the coaching staff grade, um, I was trying to do the my expectations versus what he's done versus, you know, the the just the context of him being like a good player kind of right away. Um, I, I thought like same sort of thing with Mitch, like B plus ish. Like I only way I would have given him an A is if he was starting and, you know, some of those rough games weren't as rough, but um, I, I think like there was a lot of questions with him immediately. I, and I don't know if they were all, I'm not going to say not that they were valid, but you know, there, there was good arguments. Like I know Mike said it was a crowded backcourt, like with, with Coach Cow, generally he gets a bunch of talented guys, tries to play them all together. So you never know sometimes if guys are playing in the true right positions or if they're just trying to like fit in on a talented team. It seems like quickly was much more talented than people thought and was just kind of hanging out at Kentucky, you know, not really getting as much due despite being a 42% three-point shooter, 90% from the line. I don't know, but he's been very impactful with the shooting and the scoring that we never get from a lot of people, but especially not from the point guard position. And I just think that that is, it is tremendous. So I, I gave him about a B plus. I think the only way it could have gotten better, like I said, if he was starting playing bigger minutes, more regularly, there's just more consistency to his role, you know, with that. But I mean, hard to be disappointed with the 25th pick in the draft, their second first round pick, like kind of performing the way that he has, like, He's already given you tremendous value for that pick. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think B-plus is fair, good. I also gave him a B-plus. So I fully agree. Um, I mean, 
probably would have given him, given him an A if he kept shooting the floaters at the rate he was hitting them at. But uh, that's sort of tailed off a little bit recently. Um, he, you know, he's got a couple games where he has an off night. I think mostly he's just the only person I feel in the NBA who can stop Emmanuel quickly is Tom Thibodeau. Um, and that's what we've been seeing. So I feel like if he was unleashed a little bit more, but I mean, when you get games from the 25th pick where he's got 12, he's 12 for 12 from the free throw line, um, that's the elite kind of production that you don't get from most guards in the NBA period. So it would be tough not to give him the, the amount of like spacing he provides, uh, the him shooting from 30 feet off the dribble, um, you know, it's, he's, it's special. It's something, like you said, we don't normally see from point guards and we haven't seen in a very long time. I gave, I gave quick a, a. um, I think the larger thing for me is that he looks like someone who can impact the game in a multitude of ways for the Knicks. Like, I don't think he's a point guard per se, but when you have Barrett and Randall handling the ball, he doesn't really have to be that elite creative type and he can shoot the basketball. I feel like, well, I've seen the synergy numbers, and the synergy numbers are leaning towards he's a really good defender, but he feels like a good defender to me. So this is a guy to me that when we start talking about the next steps for the Knicks, like he's someone who I want to stick around. So he's played really well. I mean, I think in the Spurs game, even though it was a quiet 26 points, he still had 26 points against a really good team. So I'm giving him an A. I'm, I'm excited. He's, he looks like a legitimate piece moving forward. Yeah, I went B plus, and I really am happy that I feel like his ceiling or his ceiling is around CJ McCollum, and his floor is around like Lou Will. Like I think either way he's going to be a good player, and I'm just happy that he give he's given me hope that the Knicks can have good guards on their roster, because it's been quite a long time. So it all that is just what gets him to B plus, I think, because compared to everybody else, he's he sticks out. Yeah, I mean, the, the shooting's been tremendous. Um, and for me, I'm not making a comparison to anybody, but I like that he takes a lot of deep threes. I like that because that's you need a threat that's not just going to hit regular threes. You need a guy who's going to, like, scare people from three, four feet behind the line because, like, that kind of space, like, can't be over. Like, I, I don't think you could really, like uh, – like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's like a really just for guys like RJ and Randall that need all the room to operate that they can get. Like, that's not something you can really understate. And um, seeing him, you know, become a real threat, like you can't go under on Emmanuel quickly. And even if, you know, you decide to, he's going to make you pay. And then if you go the opposite way, he can blow by you because he's very, very fast. And then he gets into the paint for the floater. I'd like to see him get more layups. But at the same time, the floater is really, really good. And I don't blame him for stopping there if he's good at it. I think getting more to the rim is something you'll probably have to work on as he progresses in the league. But that's like the only other thing. And the defender note is interesting because I generally agree that I think he's a pretty good defender. Um, like he definitely isn't bad, but I don't know. I don't know where his issue is with Tibbs then because I, I do agree with that. And again, might just be really as simple as it's a rookie thing he's not going to play him or start him and that's that on that and, and that's what Tibbs does and he has his ways and again they've been winning and quickly has been mostly good so I get it but I, I don't know I mean it seems like he stays in front of his his 
man most of the time. Like, I, I don't see how he's, like, getting beat or embarrassed. Like, normally when he has a rough stretch, it's mostly his own fault on offense because he's missing some shots or he has a couple bad turnovers back-to-back, which is, like, just regular rookie shit. So, I, I don't know. I I think his leash is a little bit too short, but, like, other than that, like, everything's been pretty terrific. I just – I've been trying to figure out Tibbs' issue with them, and it really – it bothers me this season, but it is what it is. That step back pull up is gorgeous. That's my favorite shot of his. He's just so, so smooth. Good. His re- his release is so fast. That's what I like about him. Like it, it's very fluid. There's no load up. It's literally just like he's he's always kind of just like floating when he plays. You know what I mean? And then it's just very quick. Mm-hmm. Like like sometimes he's a little bit indecisive, but again, that's just typical rookie shit. But like when he when he's failing it, like that Portland game, for example, he's just letting it rip. Just letting it rip, just off the dribble. He's he's too quick. He's very light on his feet, and then bang, he's up in the air. The shot's already up. Like it, that, that's it. And you need that. Like you need guys who it, like that. And snap of the fingers, it, it, it could happen. And I, I'm glad that finally we got one of those guys on our team. And I agree, we do need to keep him around long term. Um, I I'm very interested to see where this goes with him, RJ, and Randall. I that that's mm-hmm. a that that could be a very fierce grouping there. So. Mm-hmm. And as I always point out, I feel like a lot of his limitation is because of coaching. Like, I feel like those, that inconsistency, those game, the fact that he's not bouncing around the floor like that and just letting it go all the time is because he gets played. He scored 20 points in 20 minutes, and then the next night he played like 13 minutes. Like, that's what, crazy. That's, it's like, come on, bro. Put him on the floor. Let him play. Uh, so not, you know. There was a, a few game stretch where you could just see it. Like he did not look as comfortable. Like he looked like he was hesitating. He like he wasn't sure which shots. And I think that comes from okay, if I don't get out here and start playing amazingly right away, I might not play much tonight. And I feel like if he had that security of knowing he was going to get twenty to twenty-five, I feel like he should be getting twenty-five to thirty minutes at this point. But if he had that security of knowing he was going to get that, I feel like we'd see that free-flowing play even more. Even the San Antonio game, like yeah, I didn't, I wasn't huge on it because we got blown out, but he did put those points up, and he put them up. It was kind of like, all right, well, this game's over. I'm just going to shoot, and it was effective. He's got to let it fly. He's got to let it. Fly. That's why he's here. And I think the the longer he's here and the more he's with these guys, it'll he'll feel more comfortable. Eventually, his role will hopefully increase. But I that's why they got him. He's he's a sniper. You have to be a sniper, and I think he's going to learn slowly to be a killer that way. I think that's how that's how it starts. Knowing you could hit those shots, knowing you could do it pretty quickly in the NBA. No pun intended, but that's just every single time we talk about him, that's going to happen. But um, yeah, I, I think he's off to an excellent start. But. On that same note with the guards, we got to talk about the guy in his way for now, Alfred Payton. I know this is a, a much maligned conversation at this point. I know we, we've talked in depth about Alfred on this pod and the way that we think he fits. Um, for me, this was a sort of complicated grade because they've had success with him there. But at the same time, a point that me and Sean have made is maybe they could have had more success had he not been starting or somebody else and he was coming off the bench. He's had a couple of pretty decent to good stretches this season, if we're being very fair, too. Um, although, of course, when he's not on, it gets very, very ugly for the offense. And, again, the lack of shooting, especially from that position, is a reason that this team struggles so much offensively. So I wasn't sure where I was going to go with Alfred. I And I wasn't trying to be slanderous either, trying to be very fair. I went C+. Plus. I, I don't know if that's too high or too low for you guys. We can discuss that. I thought he's been per- like, if, if we're going total sum of the season, he's not a 
total trash bag on defense either. Like he's just kind of, he's just kind of there. He does some good stuff. Sometimes he, I think he gets in the way more than he helps probably in the grand scheme for the offense. You guys know deeply how I feel about that and quickly should be starting. I just thought, you know, he doesn't, there's no F there's no F or D for me. Like he hasn't been like unplayably awful. He's just been sometimes frustrating because the, to me, the fit is so clunky. I don't see the reason for a player of his skill set. If you have RJ already on the wing and you have Randall, who's a going to be the general playmaker. So for me, I, I go C plus, but I, I'm interested to see where you guys went on this one. C plus. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, insanely high, uh, I personally am not capable of giving him that rating, though. Um, I didn't want to be slanderous either. Like, I wanted to be as objective as I wanted to be as objective as possible. Uh, so I gave him a C minus. I think that had I not been trying my best to be nice, or not even nice, but fair, I may have gone D plus. Uh, but I didn't want to feel like my personal feelings were interrupting with this at all but I mean he does limit our offense and I feel like limiting our offense all season is you know enough to give you a d plus um but I mean in terms of you know Alfred Payton and who Alfred Payton is and the job that he does um he hasn't been horrible he hasn't been terrible defensively hasn't been engaged he's capable of playing very good defense he doesn't do it consistently um he's had a couple of good games he's done his role on a team that's playing well. So I felt like it would have been unfair to give him under a C minus, but I mean, he shoots 25% from three and takes less than two per game in 2021. Um, He doesn't really, even when he, even when our offense on nights where Alfred does have it going, which means, you know, maybe 17 points. um, It's still not really good for the offense. Uh, there's not a lot of offense that's created by Alfred being in a rhythm ever. Uh, you know, most point guards, if they can get you a 20 point night or, you know, most point guards, they take 20 shots, they're creating and they're forcing the defense to react a lot. And they're getting some assist off of that. Alfred's taking 19 shots because 19 times the defense didn't react too much and <laughs> nothing is really being created by that. So I gave him a C minus. I tried to be as fair as possible, but I couldn't go any higher than that. Yeah, I'm with Flatsy. I think in the end, I think we all know where Elf kind of falls in terms of his overall play. I just, I didn't want to give him a too low a grade because he is contributing to the main lineup that they're playing with and they're over 500. You know, like you guys said, I don't want to be too difficult on him. I feel like at times, or maybe just a little bit too difficult difficult on him. He's doing his job. So I just gave him a C. I can't stand watching him play. I, he drives me nuts, but he does his job, and sometimes he's even doing it well in the first half, just strictly the first half. I still think if we we're doing his fit with the team, it would probably be like a D. But in terms of him, I gave him a B minus, and that's maybe it's just because I took my bias too far into account. But for him, for what I expected, he's doing better, and it's not his fault. He doesn't fit with – the group of guys it's more on the front office and I wish him luck with whatever team he goes to, but yeah, I give him a B minus. On, on the same point card note, we'll just keep it moving right along. I think the mid season edition of Derek Rose would be next in line here. Um, 
I gave Derek a pretty favorable grade. I'm not going to lie to you guys because I think he's basically been doing what they thought Alfred should do, except he's better at it. Uh, I think they like Alfred um, because as Brian Giberman pointed out in one of our conversations, that it seems like Tibbs like guys that just get to the rim. Like he likes guys that are going to drive and kick, right? Alfred is like a much slower, less good version of that. But Derek Rose has always been really good at getting quick, getting to the rim and either finishing because that's the thing he's best at or, you know, kind of kicking out to the corner where the Knicks like to generate a lot of looks. I think Rose has kind of come in and very quickly kind of done his job there. I think even when he was starting before the health and protocols uh, issue where he was, like I said, a false negative that ended up not really being a true false negative. And then he missed back-to-back games after he was starting and playing pretty well. But, you know, he could shoot better than Alfred, which, again, the bar is low there, but he's been knocking down some shots. I He's been playmaking pretty well. Uh, he seems to play really well with Emmanuel quickly, which is very, very important because we thought maybe there was some speculation he could be blocking some of his minutes, but really hasn't done that too much. Um, seems like he works pretty well with, like, Randall Art. I, I just kind of see – I like what I'm seeing. You know, he looks for guys on lobs. He's hit OB. He's, you know, hit I, – I don't know. I mean, I gave him a B, kind of like a B, B plus. I wasn't sure which one. Uh, I think I just went with – solid B because it's been kind of a, a smaller sample still with having him here, but I, I, I've been encouraged. I thought he's actually played really good defense too. I didn't want to just talk about the offense uh, on my grades here. I thought he's played really good defense. Strangely. I, I don't know where he grades out with some of the metrics, but when I'm watching these games, you know, a, a lot of deflections, he's had a couple of, you know, uh, definitely some blocks. Uh, he's been blocking some shots here, which is notable because you remember when Derek Rose is blocking multiple shots, um, especially, in 2021. So I, I gave him a pretty firm B. I thought he's been a good addition to a team in need of like a, a shot of the arm kind of offensively that way. And he's, and he's fit in defensively because I guess he knows Tibbs well enough in this system or culture that he's trying to build. And uh, the last th- note is it seems like he's really willing to play whatever role, whether it's off the bench or, or the vet, um, you know, spot. And again, I know that there's other off court issues and, and things, whatever that people like to allude to, but in 2021 with what he's doing right now with this team, with these players, with this roster, pretty, pretty good. I, I don't have any complaints, especially when it seems like a win-win because our boy Dennis is playing pretty well for Detroit right now. He's got an open opportunity and it seems like the, the Knicks just weren't working out for him and no hard feelings, at least on our end here, we were all rooting for him. So, um, I, I'm feeling pretty good about that trade. B for Derrick Rose for me. I I get Derrick Rose a B plus. Um, I, I feel like he saved us in terms of pace. Uh, we the, we started looking a lot better offensively once he got here. I feel like he's ultimately going to save us from the last person we spoke on. Hopefully, I mean, I, you know, I want to be negative. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's been really, he's been better than I expected defensively. Not that I thought he would come here and not play defense, but he's been really engaged. He's been staying with guys. Uh, he's created a lot of opportunities. Uh, he has gravity offensively in 2021, like a lot of it. Um, he's shot the ball well from mid range and from the three. He's had very high percentages in a few games. Um, he's given, he's given us a 17 12 game. And also, in terms of his job and what he was brought here for, he's been an excellent vet. You can see the interest he's taken in taking IQ and OB. And I know that's like, I mean, is that on the floor? No, but like, does that translate to the floor? Yes. Um, so I think that that also plays into his grade. It's, it's part of his job. It's part of his role on this team. So I gave Derek Rose a B plus for this uh, short sample. Same thing. Um, I had a B plus. Um, 
at first I had my own little concerns about what he was going to do um, in terms of taking Quigley's minutes, but it seems like they're just going to play Quigley off the ball, and that's worked. You know, I think Derrick Rose has been able to balance his offensive possessions with what the team needs. I really like how he was looking for Obi early, and I think he can handle the second unit for now until they make a decision on Elf and go from there. And I think, and I, it's weird because I feel like. I'd be comfortable with him as a starter, which is something I didn't originally feel like when they made that trade. So to give up a second round pick and give up Dennis Smith Jr. for someone who you feel comfortable starting for, I think that's a, a worthy trade. So I give it a B plus. I went flat B, but I'm kind of the same frame of mind as you guys. I think once he got here, we kind of took off where I thought it was going to be like a little adjustment period. And just this whole demeanor, him approaching him, is the first thing he's saying when he arrives is taking quickly an OB under his wing. Like, that. that's already a good sign. And just the way he's been on the floor, it's not been like his first stint, which kind of felt like you could tell that he didn't want to be here. Now it's the opposite, where you can tell he actually does want to be here. So, excited. Hopefully, I think his second half grade is going to be much better than his first half. But, you know, just kept it basic with the B. Yeah, just good addition. Uh, you know, the, the cost was really there. Good good addition overall. So it is what it is. And that, that was a good point too, Q, uh, Q about the starting. Um, I, I think we all kind of just assumed it's just going to be a bench thing or whatever, but he showed pretty much that you could still just plug and play him. Um, a lot of talk about Tibbs and him and, and their relationship, but how much they trust each other. So I'm, I'm pretty sure whatever it is that the Knicks are running, Derek Rose is entirely familiar with at this point because it doesn't really explain otherwise. So uh, on that note, we can keep it moving right along and kind of get towards some of these other guys towards the end of the bench. And unfortunately, one of those guys is OB Toppin. Um, hasn't played a ton. Um, kind of had strange minutes this season. I uh, had a kind of an inconclusive grade for him. But in the minutes I have seen him, uh, kind of like a C. Um, I don't think it's really his fault to a, a large degree because he's playing so few minutes. He's, he's a guy who was kind of the main option at, you know, Dayton, obviously playing a lot of minutes and, uh, was talked about being an NBA ready prospect. And, you know, basically when, whenever you talk about those guys, you kind of assume they're going to come in and at least be able to give you 25 minutes a game anyway. That's sort of the way that I assume those guys are going to, you know, come in and be. And I know with Randall that complicated things, but again, um, they they don't really use him that well to me. I, I like that he shoots threes. I think that that's important. That's a good reason to have drafted a, a, a big who can kind of stretch the floor and do that. I don't like that he only shoots threes is my issue. Uh, and they kind of have him camp out a lot. And then when he's not camping out, he cuts baseline for a dunk. And then a lot of times they miss him. Like playing simple, quick usually finds him. Um, you know, Rose has, has found him more. Um, but then my other issue is they had success with him in the second unit, running him in quickly vertically, you know, more pick and roll, just up and down action. And they, and they just kind of stopped that. And so I don't, he hasn't shown enough in his minutes yet in the opportunities that he's gotten, but he's not really touching the ball a lot. Like even in these spots we saw in the preseason, they're giving him some like mid to high post looks. Uh, they're letting him operate out of the short roll at least a little bit because that was stuff that he was doing in college. And now we haven't seen like anything really. It's like, he'll have like a nice little couple of moments and then like, you don't see it for another week or so. So I gave him a C, but that's again, it's not to be slanderous, anything like that. It's just, I haven't, I don't know how much you could really judge what we've seen either. 
Like it's been a very limited opportunity for him, both in terms of his minutes and his role. Uh, and even the shots he's getting, he's only gets a couple of games. So it's like he comes in, gets a couple of rebounds, maybe hits a three or two, and then back to the bench. So I I don't know. I mean, well, what do you guys think here? This was a, a an unfortunate one for me. I was a little sad about it. When I got to OB, it did make me a little sad. Um Oh, uh, not not really a little sad, a little bit frustration, but not a whole lot of either. Um, I gave him a C. Uh, one, we need to see more. But uh, he looks more comfortable offensively than he did in the beginning. Uh, I also think he's been better defensively than I expected, for sure. Um, and maybe I'm just missing it. Maybe I'm watching with rose-colored glasses. But And that's another reason I don't know why we don't try the Randall Obi thing more. We saw it more last night. But I feel like it's playable because Obi doesn't look like a huge liability at all times on the floor, especially not one-on-one. So I'm impressed by that and encouraged by it. Uh, He finishes well around the basket. Like, he finds ways to finish. He doesn't get a lot of shot attempts, but he's a creative finisher, not just dunking either. Like, uh, he has a pretty good touch on his layups. A couple times he'll make a drive that looks a little discombobulated, but he finds a way to finish. And just his activity. I mean, he hustles. You know, he goes after boards. He's out in transition. He runs the floor like a gazelle. Um, uh, Should I say gazelle? It looks a little junky sometimes, but he runs the floor well. I don't know if he runs it beautifully, but he runs the floor well. Um, So those things all come together to make it, you know, higher than a C minus. But, uh, yes, he's a C. Yeah, I went same way. I went with a C. Not enough minutes to really create a large sample but um like everything sean said uh runs the floor really well he 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 moves well when he doesn't have the ball which i like on offense so he can kind of go in the paint and recognize that there's another big there so he can kind of drift out to shoot a three um i want to see him more as a lob threat i want to see him more in the pick and roll i want to see him not i don't want to call it the draymond role but in that role where he catches it off the short you know, off the short roll, and then he can create from just like inside the free throw line, just that little space to where the defender has to kind of commit into no man's land. I think he can really thrive in that part, just being that passer from that area. So again, this falls down in the tips, getting him some more minutes, but I'm gonna give him a C because I like what I saw, but I don't have anything to say it's substantial. Yeah, same here. I gave him for all my 2K heads, they know if you don't finish a game, your grade automatically goes to a C. And I really do believe OB's just it's an incomplete grade on my end, just for everything you guys said. I do want him to find some type of role. And I just want him to play with a guard that would find him on those lobs because there are so many times where I can see him cutting, just pointing to the sky, and it's just somebody dribbling in a circle. And it pains me, but hopefully more in the second half. So we'll just keep moving right along in the front court. Um, I just want to talk about Nerlens the well, and uh, I gave him a solid B, man, like B, B plus. Like I know to start the year, uh, fans were a little bit tougher on him uh, with the no hands, and he looked a little clunky. But uh, he settled in really nicely off the bench to kind of do exactly what Mitch was doing last year, just coming in hunting blocks. And then you know when Mitch went down, he's been more than serviceable. Um, he's been damn good as a starter. And I think that's kind of why you signed him because he's 26 year old, uh, 26 years old and is experienced enough to be able to do that. So I, I gave him a, a real solid B. I thought he's been excellent kind of helping us man the, you know, this time without Mitch. And it's obviously a, a crucial time because he's missing four to six 
weeks and and he's been the backbone of the defense so um i very enthused with what we saw from him so far i gave nonis noel a b plus uh i just feel like he's been excellent defensively he's filled in for mitch in a huge role stepped up you know mitch went down i thought it was gonna hurt us a lot we're eight and three over our last 11 games so i mean we haven't really missed much of a beat he's done a great job filling in his hands are god awful um so offensively he's literally killing me with his slippery bare hands but it's you know he's done a great job with everything else i mean had he caught the ball a little bit i would have given him an a yeah i'm the same way i gave him a b it, his hands are so bad uh, it's, it's like it's not even it's not even like he can like catch it's cool. yeah it's just it's all nasty but his defense is really good so i gave him a b because he's been able to come in play really well he does different things compared to mitch you know i think he's just a little bit more athletic a little bit more capable of stepping out on the perimeter and that gives the knicks a different element defensively so i go b yeah, I went B. I was originally giving him an A, but I took off a point for every chest pass he <laughs> dropped. So he ended up at the B, thankfully. Yep. So I think now we'll start, you know, we get a little bit interesting here. Uh, the end of bench, guys. Uh, let's let's start let's, with Frank. Mielikini. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just get right to Frank. Um, Frank is now contract year. Frank is Ray Allen. Apparently he is the <laughs> the most sharpshooter sharpshooter you could imagine. Uh, he is, I think, shooting like 61%. 61.9, but nobody's 61.9% from three-point range. Uh, and and not only that, but, you know, since the last pod where I was like, look, man, I need to see more from Frank Bielakina for me to start giving him the nod over things. He goes out there and starts doing the saucy sidestep uh, bullshit from the three-point line, just throwing it in my face. Uh, really unbelievable stuff with Frank. So, look uh, – as I tweeted the other night, everybody uh, now assumes that I hate Frank with all with this burning, undenying passion. I do not. I just needed to see more. He keeps showing more, and the same rules are on as they were for Knox now. He's just got to keep it up. If he's going to be shooting like this, he's got to be playing. So um, with that said, I give him <laughs> with that said, I, I gave I gave Frank a B minus. I think, you know, where he's come from uh, with I, I don't think for me more than that is warranted. This is just me personally. It's the same thing as the OB conversation with the minutes. It's just opposite. You know, Frank missed a little bit of time. He was out of the rotation briefly, so he hasn't played as many minutes as he kind of needs to for me to give it a, a better grade. But he's come in and he's been playing good defense. And obviously he has yet to miss a single shot this season, apparently. So in the minutes that he's had, hard to really beat that. So I not going to sit here and give him a worse grade. I think he gets a B minus because he's been as good as you could be in, in a limited opportunity. Thank you, Kyle. I'm, very- I'm fair, man. I'm fair. I you just I need to no, see you more. Are. You always are. And I'm just, I'm just happy it's reflected in that grade. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Now you're making me feel even more dramatic. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's a, a, certain, <laughs> a certain region of Nick's Twitter that's going to hate me for this and call but I gave Frank an A. I mean, I, uh, you, you grade the guy on the basketball he's playing. Um, he, I wish he would have played more. I think he should still be playing more. But the time he does spend on the floor, he gives us elite defense, like e- the elite perimeter defense, top tier in the NBA, in my opinion, and moves the ball well. And he's shooting. He was shooting 54% from three. He was shooting 54% from three before. 
And everybody was like, oh, that's such a small sample size, though, blah, blah, blah. And then he came back and raised his percentage. So the guy's shooting 62% from three. He's hitting step backs. He's getting four-point play. Well, they took it away. But, I mean, right. he's done a great job. He's in the right spots. He's shooting perfectly off of Julius. Um, I don't know. It's almost It's the same thing as Julius, but to a, less, to a way lesser degree. But what more can you ask for from Frank than what he's done in the minutes he's been given? Dawson, he, I mean, he's been great. I went. I went with a B only because I think he can really shoot. He's shooting really well. And the thing about his threes is like, it's not like catch and shoot threes. It's like pull up threes and like sidestep threes and off the dribble coming off a screen. Like he's hitting like the toughest threes you can hit. So I'm really interested in that playing great defense. You know, I keep saying it's going to be interesting come free agency time, but his restricted free agency, like, I don't know what they pay him, but it might be worth it if he's just going to continuously be a 3 and D guy. So I gave him a B. I'm kind of shocked they gave him the lowest grade. I gave him a C plus just because I expect so much from him, maybe. Frank Hater, <laughs> unbelievable. Mike, get off this podcast. <laughs> what a roller coaster, right? <laughs> no, but seriously, it, my main thing with him is availability. You know, he's he's only played nine games, and I know part of that's on coaching, but that means something. There is something that we're not seeing because I don't think this coaching staff would willingly pass on a good player. I think now they notice he's a good player, but I just expect a little more, and I think I'm going to get it with more playing time. But, yeah, C-plus, which is a good grade for him, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, look, that's actually interesting. We're all in the same neighborhood here on Frank. I thought that was going to go a wildly different way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, if, if you're going to play good, we have nothing to complain about. Nobody hates any Knicks here. We just want the optimal outcome. And when you give us the optimal outcome, then we have nothing to complain about. So it is what it is. Uh, good job for Frank. Please keep it up. Uh, I would like more sidestep threes to be splashed. It, it's an enjoyable process that nobody was expecting, except for, of course, Sean and Mike and everybody else who's been yelling at me on Twitter every single night when he does anything. So it is what it is. I'm happy. I will always be happy to be wrong if it is in the next favor. I don't care. So uh, on, on that next note real quick, though, we will go to Kevin Knox. Enough um, injuries, Frank. What's that? Enough injuries, Frank, man. Stay out. Stay home. Yeah. Just stay home, man. Just stay yeah. off the mend. Please. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always, Enough of you. Always the groin, man. I mean, it's, it is what it is, but. <laughs> it, you know, Relax, he, my guy. <laughs> He's ubiquitously handsome. You can't help it. <laughs> I, I love that the joke is. It's been like three years with that joke. It'll, it'll never die. It'll never <laughs> die with Frank. But um, real quick, before we we pick it up on the other side, because um, we have to finish with a couple of a very special Knicks. Uh, we, we'll uh, finish with Kevin Knox, Theo, of course, everybody's favorite. Uh, the, the Knicks ball character after this this last week, so we'll get to him. <laughs> um, and uh, Austin Rivers and a couple of the other guys. And then, of course, we got your mailbag questions. So we'll finish it there. Sorry for the lengthy podcast, guys. But, you know, it, it's uh, first half of the season. A lot to go over. So we'll catch you on the other side of this last ad. Take it easy. So next up with the grades here, folks, we have one Kevin Knox. Uh, Kevin Knox, to me, was another easy and conclusive um, I thought early in the season and the the role that he had, which was pretty much a three and D kind of four type guy, just spaced the floor, hit some corner threes, and he was knocking his shots down. I thought he was playing pretty good defense. 
um, and that he was pretty active in his minutes. And I thought that was notable because he really hadn't been prior. He was missing a lot of shots. He was lost on both sides of the floor uh, often, if not most nights. And um, he really just like kind of got with it this year. So I, I was pretty happy with what I saw, to be honest with you. I kind of had him like a C plus, And I think I probably would have had him higher if he was like playing more and at that same level because um, now he's been buried. But the stuff that I saw, sort of the same thing with the Frank note is that's kind of why I had them grouped similarly uh, grade-wise. They both had small roles, but I thought in those roles, uh, those limited roles and minutes that they've played, I thought they've, they did well enough, I thought, to warrant playing more. So we'll see what they do with Frank, but that was my grade for, for Knox. It's still kind of inconclusive, but I thought C+. That seems fair. That, I kind of hovered. I wanted to give him a B- minus almost. Uh, but I went C plus just be, but I feel like, you know, we saw slight improvements from Knox and um, the reason I almost gave him a B minus is because are we really going to knock a guy for not playing? I don't really know. I think that's really Kevin's biggest knock this year. Uh-huh, uh-huh, but um, <laughs> I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, but, yeah, he, he hasn't played much. Uh, he's shooting 39% from three. Uh, he's been a pretty consistent shooter, even when he gets his little garbage time minutes. Like, and not to, I said little garbage time minutes. That sounds bad, but we got to be really careful. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> when he plays for the small time, he plays in stints at the end of games. He comes in and knocks a three down right away. Like he comes off the bench, ready to shoot. Uh, I feel like he looked improved defensively. He, he's not, you know, a lockdown defender by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like he's been competent on that end this year. Uh, when he's played, he's. I feel like he's played basketball the right. I feel like he's done everything that we would have wanted him to do. He was even in the beginning of the year, like setting up and sealing in the post with his hand out. Like he just isn't on the floor anymore. But uh, and what we saw, I wanted to say B minus, but since it's such a small time, and I mean at the end of the day, I guess he would have to earn those minutes. So C plus. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel bad because it's just like he kind of started in the rotation, got a couple of minutes, and then as soon as they decided, oh, we actually have to like try to win games he was the first one out I feel bad I mean I'm gonna give him a C because I thought at the beginning he showed something that I thought he could be which is like just a shooter and like the defense he wasn't completely lost on so you know it stinks because I, I certainly would like to see him get a little bit more minutes and get a little bit more run just to see if there's anything else there but it certainly feels like he's just uh if he's hot put him in the rotation he'll hit a couple threes if he's not he'll sit on the bench guy so I'll give him I'll give him a C minus. I went C and to borrow a term from Turn on the Jets, my favorite football podcast, Kevin Knox is just another guy. And I think a C is just appropriate for him. While he is vastly improved from what we saw last year, he actually looks like somebody with a purpose and somebody that pays attention to what the coaches want. He went right to the corner and made that his home. But clearly something's just not working where I feel like the coaching staff is mostly comprised of smart people. And if that many people just aren't fighting for you to get more minutes, maybe you're just not that good. And I think that's the case with Kevin, but hopefully I'm wrong, but see. Yeah. I mean, we'll see with him. Um, you know, obviously he's out of the rotation now and Frank is back in at least temporarily, but you know, hopefully, you know, if, if Tibbs is about merit I think generally you should just ride the hot hand for guys. I think that's an easy basketball rule to follow. If guys are playing well and confidently, just let them play basketball. Simple. I don't know. Um, 
All right. I mean, a couple other guys we want to get to here. Uh, Reggie Bullock was one of the starters I saved towards the end. Um, but Reggie, for me, I I know I already know where this is going to go for for Sean, of course. But for me, I try to keep in mind that they signed this man for like no money. Like they didn't they didn't sign this guy to be anything special. I thought they signed him to be a role player that was sometimes going to hit shots, and he's mostly been a role player who sometimes has. Not that that is a defense of anything. I just think it's the reality of the situation. I think he's been pretty average. I think he's been decent enough on defense, good enough on defense where it's, there's no reason to not play him. Um, you know, obviously at the last couple of games went a little bit, <laughs> bit differently after my Reggie argument, but um, as a whole in 2021, he was shooting better. So I don't, I mean, to me, he's just very average. And that's what my grade, I think, reflects. I, I haven't been overly impressed. He's just kind of been there and sometimes done his job, but sometimes he hasn't as a role player. So I gave him a, like a C plus. I, I don't, it's not a slanderous thing. I just, he's been fine is the best way I could word it. And that's what a C plus is to me. He's just been fine. He's been there. Sometimes he hits a shot. Sometimes he doesn't. Generally, he plays defense. Normally, he doesn't kill you too bad, except for, you know, the other game the other night which, you know, 13 shots is not what you want from a Reggie Bullock. But um, I, I don't know, Shaw, please, please give me the, the F that you're dying to serve up to Reggie Bullock on this podcast. I'd love to hear. No, I'm a fair guy. You know, I'm not going to give Reggie an F. Uh, he is in the rotation of a team that is above 500. Uh, he is shooting, you know, 40% in 12. I don't know if he's still shooting 40% in 2021 at this point. But, um, you know, he's, his shooting percentage isn't terrible. Uh, he's played serviceable defense. He's a, he's a good defender. Um, so I'll give him a C minus, uh, you know, those things I just gave him. But other than that, I mean, you know, despite what he was signed for, like, yeah, he was signed on the bargain. Cool. But like, he's costing us a lot of time on the court. Um, he's a starter. He's in that lineup. So I'm not, the expectation is like, if you're an NBA starting shooting guard, I feel like this team needs more. I feel like the lack of consistency, despite the high percentage, um, the complete lack of playmaking and of seemingly offensive competency to do anything else outside of shooting threes, Reggie Bullock might be known as Noel. Like, I mean, he made the reverse backdoor cut yesterday, not yesterday, but last game, Julius hit him with a pass. And it is so sad that you are an NBA guard, a starting NBA guard, and you get hit with a pass on a backdoor, and I know you're going to miss the reverse. I just know it. That's sad when you're taking a layup, and I know you're going to make it. So that's that's very loud. Also, there was a steal, I believe. Alfred got a steal, and him and Reggie were running the break. And the defender pretty much all the way committed to Alfred. Alfred dropped it off to Reggie. And I was like, somehow this is not going to result in a May layup. And what happens? Reggie has the whole left side to himself, double clutches and tries to bring it down to the right side. Ends up getting fouled. Goes one for two at the free throw line. So somehow we didn't get two points out of this two-on-one possession with like, <laughs> yeah. So he just, he has way too many holes. I feel like this team would be so much better if we upgraded him. Like, I feel like he's done well in his, he's done, oh, he's been passable in his role, but I just thought there's so many people that can give us what he gives and more. Yeah. Like, I feel like I give him a C minus. I feel like he's shooting the ball well, but he's ultimately the clear example of where this team needs to upgrade the most Um, between him and Alfred Payton. Both of those guys are clearly upgradable. That's why I just don't, 
have a strong opinion on those guys because it just feels like they're just kind of holding their roles. They're completely average players who they, some games they're playing okay, some games they're playing poorly, and then we could just go from there. But him and Alfred Payton are clear examples of where the team needs to upgrade the most. So I gave him a C minus. I don't even think he's, I don't even really think he's that good on defense either, to be honest. He is not. And Reach. Right. And this is just to clarify, this is not Reggie Bullock, the person we're grading or grading Reggie Bullock, the starting small forward for the New York Knicks. And that's why I went with a D plus. I just don't think he does anything that someone else can't do at a decent rate, especially Frank, for example, like if Frank got Reggie's minutes, I think he is somebody I feel more confident with last episode. I said this, if Reggie's wide open, I'm not, raising out of my seat saying cash i'm waiting for it to go in and then i'm doing like a nice little golf clap i'm not getting crazy with him and like i said it's nothing personal but as a starting small forward i think he probably ranked near the bottom of the league i think i'd be more cool with reggie at this point if rj was regularly getting the second most amount of shots because rj's become pretty reliable with, with the way that they find him for three which i like Remember, you know, we talked about offensively, it seemed like they have a system, like they are generating looks in generally the same spots. Like Julius usually finds Reggie in most of the same spots. They usually find RJ in most of the same spots. They usually find the guys who go to the corner, you know, like Kevin Knox and those guys, like they usually find them there. So it seems like they're they're getting the right looks. And like, to me, RJ's like, like that should be the guy that is now – taking 18 shots a game, like 15 to 18 shots a game. Like that, that's my only real issue with like the Reggie thing. Like, I, I just don't like that. I, I understand that you got to take time to maybe find those guys that are going to fill those roles better, but it's like, you can't even with that, like you got to know your role. Like you can't be shooting 13 shots. Like that, that's the stuff that bothers me. Whenever he shoots more than RJ, it bothers me. That's my only real gripe at this point i think rj's showing that he's going to be able to at least be enough of a threat regularly i think they got to start using him more now that he's confident but you know we'll we'll see with reggie i i don't know a lot of his shots are open that's like i think that's the more troubling thing. all of them like he's not taking yeah. bad shots just to clarify these aren't like like when elf gets in those stretches where he tries to do this like floater over a center that clearly has no shot in hell going in reggie's taking wide open jumper and he's just missing them and if that's the problem, if that's your quote-unquote sharp. I don't think I've seen Reggie Bullock take a contested three. No, he's a, he's a smart <laughs> player, a very smart player on offense when, when it comes to shot taking. In the last two minutes, he gets – I don't know what happens to him, but he gets skittish and he throws the ball over the middle when he doesn't have to. But other than that, he's okay. And I, I'm tired of – and to Kyle's point about him taking too many shots – with Reggie being on the floor, I think maybe he'd be more tolerable if we didn't try to run offense for him. Like, I think the fact that we try to do those like pin downs and handoffs and like create opportunities for Reggie to come take this mid range jumper or this floater that I'm almost certain without checking any numbers, he's shooting below 30% on. It's a waste because he's not scoring well coming off of those and he's not creating for anybody. Like, Reggie is not drawing any defense, Reggie is not getting to the line. Like, yeah, they need to. You just got to give that. Oh, the, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Q. Sorry. No, you go. No, I was just going to say that real quick. They just got to give those to RJ because to me, like you can't, you can't give him or Randall like enough work is the way that I look at those two guys. Like those guys are workhorses. You can't give them enough. Like RJ loves 
reps. RJ loves being relentless and coming at you. And like, that's kind of his game to a fault. Sometimes we've seen him struggle because he's forced it, but you know, I think now that he's kind of like gotten his bearings and he's gotten confident and he knows where to be from three and hit those shots. And then off of that, now being a real threat, learning how to attack in more space when the defense closes out on him. Um, I think you got to just start giving him the actions now. If he, if he proves he can clear the hurdles during the season and make those adjustments, I think now you got to keep just giving him more of those reps and more of those actions to kind of diversify, you know, the opportunities that he's getting. So, I mean, Reggie to me should never really be running those Reggie, like, unless it's like an emergency situation and, and you have no other plays at this time and it, you know, but it seems like there's, there's sets run for him. And, and I don't like that. Like Reggie should always, he, he's just the, your role player shooter. Like he's just got to rotate catch and shoot. There's nothing else. And, you know, my other gripe with him is sometimes he'll, he'll do these little like step in mid range kind of like fadeaways that like, just don't do those. Like just, just be open for three. Like that's all that we need you to do. And, and again, he's, mostly done a decent job like I, I get he's I, I understand the faults and the frustrations I, I honestly do I wish he was a little bit better because I like Reggie mm-hmm. but he's been he's been serviceable and it is what it is and I, I wish there was a better option but there really maybe isn't to this point so I don't know that's that's really all I got on him yeah and my thing is just if those are your act those are the action that you want to do with with the wing you should probably switch Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock. Like one thing Alec Burks has shown is he's a little bit more dynamic with the ball in his hands compared to Reggie Bullock. You put Bullock in the second unit, you then have Quigley and Derek Rose who can kind of manipulate the defense and get you those open shots, just corner shots. Whereas Burke can run a little bit of those things, but I, I ultimately agree with you with getting RJ those, those chances though. Burke scares me though. He has Aaron Aflaloitis where He's going to start out fine, and then he's just going to be like, oh, I'm the star of this show. Oh, yeah. Type of thing. So it's a, it's a balancing <laughs> act. It's a balancing so, act. Now. So on that note, Mike, what do you, let's start with you for, for Burks. What do you give Burks? I still gave Burks a B because he does supply offense that is just devoid everywhere else. So he does his job well, but like I said, he does have those moments where he kind of hijacks the offense. And quite frankly, early in the season, we kind of needed him to have those moments. But – as RJ finds his shot, Frank starts to get more playing time. I think he can start to be toned back a little bit. And Derek Rose coming here, I think he can be toned back a little bit. But like I said, this is first half grades. And I think he was one of the better players for the Knicks in the first half. So, B. Um, Burks, I, I gave him a C+. Plus. Uh, he, he's been really good for us in flashes. He's also been kind of hurtful. And it goes into what Mike was saying about him kind of hijacking the offense, but I don't even, that's one of those things that kind of, you know, those dings on Tibbs I was talking about, because I don't really believe that we should be using Alec Burks like that at all. Like, I don't think that he should be running the offense out of high pick and rolls. That is completely unnecessary. He should get those curls that Reggie gets. He should take, you know, wide open jumpers that are created for him. And he should get a couple wing ISOs. Like if he's really feeling it and wants to cook a little bit. But I feel like he's he's being put in positions that aren't optimal for him use wise, and then it throws off his production. Like when when he starts having the ball in his hands too much, he doesn't really shoot well. And I think that it's because he's being asked to do too much, and it's not, it doesn't look good. So I feel like if he were able to just be what he is and spot up and you know hit shots coming off of curls and things like that, he could be he could have a B for me because he's been really good for us at points. But he's also been overused or misused and it looks kind of it makes it excuse it so c plus 
Yeah, I went B minus for all the same reasons Sean went. I just think, I think in the grand scheme of things, you probably want Alex Burks to be like your like sixth, seventh man who, in nights where you need him, he can give you fifteen, and nights where you just need him to give you eight, he can just get you those eight points, and you'll be all set to go. Um, maybe starting him is probably a little bit too a bridge too far. I, I still think they should give him some of those touches that Reggie Reggie gives them in the second unit at the very least. But yeah, I think he's okay. You know, I didn't see the Aaron Aflalo thing really until you pointed it out. And I'm just kind of running through moments where in the first half, he was getting a lot of those touches and a lot of those carries. And maybe that did kind of bleed over into some shot attempts that he did need to take. So I went B minus. Yeah, I kind of had like B, B minus. Um, although I, I do get Charles points for sure, because he that's kind of like the, the double edged sword to those kinds of players. It's like you you like them for the same reasons that they kill you. And it's, it stinks sometimes, but like more often than not, I think he's been like a benefit for us, at least with the kind of ways that he can, you know, operate in the offense and kind of create his own sometimes. And yes, it is definitely too much, but at least for me, it's not like Austin rivers where it's like, if he's not on, he falls off a cliff. So I'm, I'm fine with Burks. I probably put him more like a B minus, but like he, he's been fine. I, I thought when they signed him, he was just a good, decent signing. Uh, he's mostly been that way. He's definitely less frustrating than Aaron Aflalo to me, at least so far in this first half. But uh, you know, that, he's got to reel it in sometimes. That that's my only my only stipulation. I it, it's like green light is fine, but like sometimes it's like he'll. I've seen him like on, on possessions, he'll get his own rebound a couple of times I've seen that weirdly like he kind of knows where his miss is going to be and then he grabs it and he's ready to shoot again it's like bro like relax man like you don't gotta just like take a deep breath just take like a step back like reset the offense one time like you'll probably end up shooting a three again in this possession just breathe take it easy that's my only thing with Burks but otherwise happy to have another like offensive gun to some degree off the bench on that same kind of note though we have to talk about Austin Rivers who has not been uh, super good after a, a strong start. Um, basically, when he's not playing the Utah Jazz is the running joke that he's a uh, his powers disappear. Kind of disappointing. I gave him like a D. I, I didn't even want to do that. Uh, but he was somebody that I thought was probably going to be a Tibbs guy and stay in the rotation to some degree for most of the, the season, even if it was less minutes. But then them kind of going to Rose kind of signaled the end for him pretty quickly. Um, and the way that that happened so fast kind of made me draw even more doubt. So I thought he was a fine signing three for 10 years is like, even if it doesn't work out, that's pretty whatever. So that's that it is what it is. But um, I'm a little disappointed with that one, to be honest. I thought he was going to be, you know, from some of the, the stuff that I kept up with Clippers guys that over the years, it kind of matched what I, I watched with the Clippers games and the way he kind of played. And I, you know, even his time with the Rockets, like I, I thought he was solid. I, I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed. He's been like wildly inconsistent, but like I just said before to the last point, he just like falls off a cliff when he's not on. It's very strange. Like he's maybe the most erratic player we've had. And we've had some very erratic players. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a strange one. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys uh, think with Rivers? Um, For me, I don't know if all school systems had this grade, but um, here in Florida, there's an I for incomplete. Uh, if like somebody stops showing up, 
you know, yeah. where, like there's not enough. And I feel like that's what it is for Austin Rivers. I feel like he showed us what he can be for us. And, you know, because at no point did I think Austin Rivers is going to come in and be like an every night 25 point guy who's like, so it's just like what we can get from him in flashes can hopefully be sustained a little bit over stretches. He had a couple injuries. He had got like an injury at a point. He was recovering, things like that. Um, and then he is an up and down player. He's very erratic. We kind of already knew that, but then we were seeing him be erratic. And then Derek Rose got here. So, boom, you were erratic, you were on a downswing, and now you're just out of the rotation. So we don't even know what he could, you know, there might be a point in the season. I mean, hopefully everybody stays healthy and everything, but there might be a point in the season where we need him again. He's able to come up and, you know, because even outside of, uh, you know, we were first doing the whole Quivers thing and, you know, loving them two in the lineup. It wasn't just because he was some, uh, like, deadly scoring threat, but he made the ball move well. Like, he added to good basketball being on the floor, but then he just went cold. So uh, I gave him an I because I couldn't really, I didn't know, I didn't want to give him a D. I didn't give anybody a D. If I didn't give Alfred Payton a D, I couldn't give one to Austin Rivers. So, I mean, I I just gave him an I. I want C minus because he did win us that one game, but like, it's weird. It, he just fell off a cliff after that. So I give him credit for winning us that one game. He shot well from three early too, but. Again, another guy that as soon as the Knicks decided that they really wanted to win, they just kind of pushed him to the side. And it's not totally his fault. I mean, I think he's a valuable piece for someone else if they decide to trade him. But, um, yeah, I gave him a C-. minus. Yeah, I went flat D just because he hasn't really done much outside of the Jazz games. And, like I said, my grades are based on performance, not how I feel about him. I think – I thought he was ready to become, like, a new crazy eight and – that hasn't been the case and kind of sucks because after that jazz game, I was really hyped that he was going to become like one of those guys that you start to fight for on Twitter. And it's just not how it happened. Yeah, it, it is what it is. It works like that. Sometimes, you know, guys are easy to root for and end up being fan favorites. And sometimes the play doesn't follow through, but on that note of fan favorites, <laughs> there, there was an incident this week. I think we all know uh, what, what I'm going to uh, allude to here. There was a tweet, uh, you know, th- you know, th- things get said during the course of the game. Now, guys, I'm not defending the tweet. I just want to say we got to speak our piece on the podcast. We've said some terrible things about players over the years, both on this podcast and on the timeline. But I, I'm just interested that that's where the line was drawn. That's all I'm going to say. Just interested. I, I thought, I thought, surely, if you've tuned into the timeline before, uh, we've we've gone different routes I, I just thought that was interesting but on, on the note of uh of that uh theo pinson i gave a a v for vibes uh so i'm happy about that uh and i don't even mean that to be like overly uh like slanderous or anything i'm, I'm ge- i genuinely mean that like he's, he's been he's been a good uh good guy here the chemistry like i genuinely do mean that and you know uh that's all that we can really go off of V for vibes. They're going to kill you for that. (laughs) (laughs) But am I wrong, Sean? No, you're not. You're not wrong. I mean, especially for the vibes that a V is just an upside down a, I mean, I get it, you know, like, (laughs) there we go. Yeah. So V is, I mean, it's, it's the right, that's honestly probably the right answer. I personally, and maybe just because, you know, I'm erring on the safe side after they almost killed us because I think that part of the reason people were so upset 
is because of the energy that Theo gives off. He's such a positive, yeah. like happy guy. It, look, it's fair. It was a clear yeah. joke, though, it, too. It, I mean, it, it, it was it, a clear was, joke. It, it was look. It was fair. Again, we're not. I'm not even trying to defend the tweet because we deleted. No, I know. It. I apologize no. for the tweet, but. I, I was interested that that's where the line was drawn. But in all seriousness, too, and I wasn't even trying to be funny with the grade. I, I do think he's been good for team chemistry. I think there's a lot that goes into the culture in, in general. And it starts with coaching. Obviously, somebody comes in and set the tone. But then, like, there's lots of components to that. Like, you need a star to step up and work hard. You need that to rub off on your younger guys and the role players. They have to want to buy in. Guys got to want to fit into the system. You know, RJ's got to want to be better. And, like, guys got to be good teammates. Like, that's very seriously part of it and i'm not joking that's why guys like jared dudley hang around they're good locker room presences and there's nothing wrong with that so he's he's been good i mean if you watch the games he's it, it there's a clear there's a clear aura to the team that's all it's been better and and that's why me personally you know i just i figured okay with the coaches what do we do with the play like for what his job is i gave the opinion an a plus i i mean you know Damn, i mean not <laughs> I thought I was gonna be the only one. I really was gonna, damn, good, yo, I fuck with that though. Yeah, I mean, it's not for the basketball on the floor, obviously, but that's also not his job on this team. Right. So his role on this team is to be the super supportive teammate. You know, Mitch posted yesterday a picture with him saying that, you know, he's the best teammate he's had. I mean, this is only Mitch's third year, but still. Like the we saw it when he was with Brooklyn, like when he was active and doing all the dances, and it was a huge part of that Brooklyn team and their culture. And you know when the Knicks brought him here, and I think we got rid of Trier and brought in Theo Pinson. I was confused at first. I was just like, I mean, like, what is Theo Pinson coming here to do? Like, Trier's pretty good at basketball, but you know, Alonzo Trier just had a horrible year in the G League bubble. Um, not that we're rooting against him at all, but you know, if you're gonna have that guy who's the 15th, 6th, like the guy that the guy at the edge of the bench he's doing his job. He's contributing. He's super uh, enthusiastic, especially in a year where there's no fans or now limited fans. Like he's been the energy, like even that one of our favorite moments, or especially like one of my favorite ones from the season is when uh, they were all standing by Julius uh, IQ, RJ and Theo Pinson mm-hmm. in the, at, for the post game interview. And you can just see the effect that his energy like he seems, it seems infectious. Even like his IG stories, like RJ comes in with the value. He's like, oh, we better drop 50 tonight. Like, that's cool. I even like being able to see what is going on in the locker room. So A plus. Yeah, man. they're gonna clip that part about the V for Vibes part, but I'm gonna give them an A. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so we're all good. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, he's an end of the bench guy. I don't want to. I don't want to get too out of line, but I do think it's interesting that we were the only ones that were attacked. That's all I'm gonna say on that part. But yeah, man, we love Theo Pinson. He comes in. He provides the energy. You know, every game, I'm sure we can get a clip of every game of him just bringing the energy. So, you know, it was all love. It was just a joke. And I, I hated that he took it that way. So give him an A. Yeah, same. I thought I was going to be the only one that did this. But, yeah, A+. plus. I think he – we haven't had a good chem. I can't remember the last time we had, like, a really good bench guy. Maybe O'Quinn. But O'Quinn played. I'm talking about, like, somebody that, like – I don't know. I feel like we just haven't had someone like that. I do think that's an important part of a team just to have like somebody, you know, is going to hold you down even when you're struggling or, you know, just a good teammate. And I think that's his, that's his role. And he does it very well, clearly, because this team looks radically different than it did when, before he got here. Yep. And to, to those, I mean, I don't know, like, who does or doesn't listen to this podcast. And I try not to be too spicy all the time, not from this account at least. 
But to those of you out there <laughs> who are like echoing this whole, like yesterday I saw someone on a timeline, they were like, oh, Mitch posted the deal, a picture with Theo Pinson, and they were like, oh, he's dunking on all those slanderous uh, Knicks wall jokes. And I was like, bro, I like had to call it out. I was like, yo, this is ridiculous. Like you're being very ridiculous. All those is like a very strong word here. It was one joke. It was apologized for. Don't take all Theo Pinson content now as a slap in the face of the Knicks wall. And it was somebody from another another Knicks coverage thing too. So I just thought it was very ugly. So stop doing that. It's I, nasty. Depending on who, like, don't be an idiot. If yeah, it. don't be nasty. Like, just don't be a stupid fuck. It's you apologize like, though. Okay, good. All right, so I take that back. But like, just yeah. come on. Yeah, pe- people like to drag things out. Look, like again, we, we make jokes. If you know the Knicks well, we make jokes. This is what we do. Generally, it's been a hard thing to do is watch Nick basketball for a long time. So we've always made the same kind of jokes for a long time. And again, not a defense, but we again, people found it took issue to it we took it down not a big deal but sometimes our jokes are stolen and no one says anything about them either that might have to change in the near future that's all i'm saying this is true this is look man i mean i love this cue this is is spicy this is spicy cue i was not expecting spicy cue but spicy cue is here Nah, the energy the energy got to change because some people be acting funny i'll be seeing that i don't say nothing but energy they be acting up man they be moving around crazy from my personal account, I will pop up in your mention. So stop playing. <laughs> this, this this is true. Look, I I'm I try to be very reserved in my old age, but but Sean is 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 very much not not with the shits. So I mean, if if just be careful. I I don't have the energy anymore, but Sean does. So he will he will find you. I, this this happens often. So just be very careful. Tread carefully. Uh, yeah. My last my last note here was Taj. Uh, Taj, I just gave. What a good leading, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I gave a simple C. Uh, again, nothing wrong. He's he's come in, played a backup role, a uh, limited role, after not doing anything during a pandemic and not being signed to any team. Just came off his couch, basically played decent basketball off the bench for us at a time when we're shorthanded. C, C plus, you know, good in his minutes. I know he's hurt right now. Hopefully he's better after the break. Uh, still going to need some help before Mitch gets back, but that's all I got. I may have been a little, I don't know. I wanted to give him a C plus, but I gave Taj a B minus. Um, I think that especially considering he just, you know, came off the couch. I mean, that's not little. I'm pretty sure he's working out and things like that. But he came in for us at a time we really needed him. Like it was right right before Mitch got hurt. He got out there. He filled in those minutes. And part of Noel stepping up the way he did and has is Taj also coming in and doing a good job off the bench and helping to mitigate the loss of Mitch as well. Um, and I also feel like Taj adds like a, it's weird, but I feel like he adds a different dynamic to us offensively when he's on the floor. Like he's a little more capable than, uh, definitely than Noel and even more so a little bit than Mitch, as far as things like certain dribble handoffs and screens and, you know, being able to pop a little bit on the screens, uh, it just, you know, helps us out in his minutes. So I feel like he's been really effective for us. I got, I got, I give him a B minus. I'm going C. Um, first, I want to admit that I was one of the people who didn't really like the move because I thought he was going to potentially take some of Obi's minutes. But like in the minutes they play together, they work they work really well. You know, him being a good vet, he's trying to space a little bit more. He's good at rebounding. He's good at just being an overall defensive, you know, that backline defender telling guys where they need to be. So, you know, I don't think he's been – outstanding or anything i don't think there's any real games that stand out off the top of my head but veteran for the back end of the roster who played when someone got hurt or when they made a trade and hopefully he comes back and he could snag a couple of minutes and you know i give him a c one moment that does stick out for me with taj was the end of the t-wolves game 
mm-hmm. where we needed to stop. I believe Noel fouled out or he was in foul trouble, whatever the case was. Gibson was put in late in the game. And for some reason, I really felt at ease that he was that cat wasn't going to score. And sure enough, Gibson stopped him. And it was just that moment. I was like, this guy's just a great security blanket. And he plays the perfect amount of minutes. And when Mitch comes back, he probably won't play at all, which is fine. But you know, if you do need him, he is there. And that's, I think that's worthy of a B. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's mostly fair. Um, we only got a couple minutes left here. So I do want to hop right into the mailbag. Um, we got to, I mean, these are very quick answers. I think you guys would agree. So we can kind of fly right through a lot of these. Uh, at Q Snicks fan, we got thoughts on a Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant trade. Uh, I don't think either one of those are on the table. Um, I mean, if they did Harrison Barnes, I, I, I don't know. I guess that's sort of a weird stretch for idea. But uh, Jer, I, why would Jeremy be on the table for any trade? I don't think that's a thing. Definitely don't think Jeremy's on the table at all. They just signed him there, and they're getting pretty good return on the investment, uh, and they don't really have much else. Uh, and Harrison Barnes, that's interesting. Uh, I've heard his name come up a couple of times. I would I would like that. Uh, it would let RJ go to the two. It would make me stop seeing Reggie Bullock. I don't know what the price would be. I can't imagine it would be very expensive, though. Um, so I wouldn't mind that. He scores well. Uh, he's got He's an experienced guy. He's a solid enough wing defender. I'd like Harrison Barnes here. Yeah, I like I mean, I think Grant is gonna stay in Detroit. I feel like they're gonna probably flip him in the off season, maybe sell high if they can get the right assets. But Harrison Barnes is a weird one. I kinda I don't I kinda see the fit where you could put him. I think I would lean towards maybe a little bit more of a cheaper alternative. Uh just someone who because I feel like at the end of the day you kinda wanna upgrade the starting spots and you're looking at that backcourt. I kinda want somebody who could shoot a little bit better alongside RJ. So I would pass on Harrison Barnes, but I get the logic. I'm good on Barnes. I would like Grant, but I don't think he's available. Yeah, um, I definitely mostly agree with that. Barnes wouldn't be bad. don't think he'd cost much, but we'll see. I uh, don't think that's really on the table either. Is he an expiring, uh, by the way? If it's an expiring deal, I don't hate it. But, like, if we are on the hook for 22 mil with him, I'm good. I, I don't know offhand, but I'm just going to keep it moving for the sake of this. At Daniel nine one eight nine seven seven three two, you got to change your app, buddy. Uh, Eric Gordon, <laughs> a nice fit for us. Uh, I I'm I'm big anti Eric Gordon over the last couple of years. Definitely this year. Uh, n- no thank you whatsoever. I'll take my chances on Alec Burks, my friend. Sneakily, one of the worst deals in the league right now. So I would I would pass on him too. I would also pass on Eric Gordon. Uh, the price doesn't, and you know he doesn't fit the window of the team. It's like 34, 33. That might be wrong, but he's old. Right team, wrong player. Give me Terrence Ross if we're trading for a Magic player or even Mo Bamba. Like, I'll take either of those guys before I even ask about Aaron Gordon. Oh, did you say Aaron Gordon or Eric Gordon? Eric. Aaron. Oh, I'm oh, Eric. Oh, oh, the Magic. Oh, the oh. magic guy or the, the or the Rockets guy? Eric. Oh, oh Eric. Okay, <laughs> I yeah, thought it was Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was killing. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah, take that. Okay. Uh, this is my my favorite question so far from at Obi Toppin Stan underscore. Uh, with the upcoming tough schedule, it was the first half of the season a fluke. No, my friend, they had one of the toughest schedules to start the year. So even if the second half is tough, I cannot sit here in good faith and tell you it was a fluke. I think they earned most of those wins, if not all. Uh, so no, I don't think it was a fluke whatsoever, nor do I think the second half would be any tougher because they have a couple of really good cupcake stretches, I think, in April. So. And they can make a trade, so that's also 
something that we have to take into account. Yeah, I mean, we'll even better. Yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna cut it there real quick with the mailbag, but make sure you guys are, you know, following us on the Knicks Wall. Make sure you're tuning into the Knicks to keep up with all of our content and our articles, and make sure you just check out on our Twitter, and it's gonna be on Instagram shortly. Our latest All Star Weekend drop. Uh, we just dropped a new shirt, which is the Lucky Lefties featuring RJ and Julius. Uh, a little spoof of the Bruno and. Uh, anderson album so go check that out it, it's it's pretty fire i like it myself ryan gray outdid himself once again so make sure you copy yours now uh hopefully we have them up for a little bit definitely through all-star weekend but we'll see so definitely get them while you can as you know with the ob shirt supplies are limited sometimes um aside from that make sure you subscribe on youtube uh, again just want to remind you guys a lot of stuff going to be on there in the near future and uh q sean uh dom everybody thanks for joining me and uh hey. we'll Talk to you guys next time.